0: This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to verybold.com for information and updates and email steve at verybold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal.
1: How are you doing today, Steve Teal with Very Bold Radio and Podcast? This is kind of part three in a series. I talked to my mom and dad. About the power of God and how my dad was rescued, was saved in Vietnam from certain death. And now I've got really, I think, one of the main reasons, one of the main things, main people that God used to rescue my dad, and that's Bill Jankowski. So, first of all, I just want to say welcome. How are you doing today?
2: Doing very well and very glad to be here.
1: I'm so glad you're here, too. Um, It's awesome that it worked out. I thank our producer, programmer, uh, engineer over here, Marksman, for making it happen on a Saturday. We don't usually record then. And thank you for making it happen. It so happened that you're in San Antonio and then you somehow, I don't even know, I don't have to know, you carved out time to be with us today. So thank you.
2: Well, it's always good to just be able to do the Lord's work.
1: Yeah, I love it. Well, and I do just personally want to thank you for... I really don't think I would have had a dad past the age of six years old if, you know, it's kind of crazy to talk about if you hadn't got shot down, if God hadn't dropped you into my dad's life, um, and then the actions that you guys did and that the Air Force did, um, I I just know my dad wouldn't be around. So I just want to thank you for being a part of this dramatic, beautiful story, and thank you for being a part of God, letting me have a, a great and awesome dad.
2: Well, you know, it, it is, and the Lord had a hand in it, to, you know, that's all that you can really say. And uh, it was just an honor, an honor to, to know your dad and be able to, uh, you know, like you said, even though the situation was a little different, but just being able to be there to be able to help people out.
1: Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to ask you, Bill, there's uh There's a lot in your life. I feel like we could probably talk for days, so we have to kind of narrow it down. But I also would like to talk about um, uh, the experience BAT-21, if you could tell us a little bit about that. And one of the reasons is, I mean, that was a very famous part of Vietnam. Now, a lot of people won't know what that is. Uh, A lot of people would not have seen the Gene Hackman, Danny Glover story that was based, based that on the true story. I think they took some liberties, right? Yes. Uh, but um, – and it was uh, turned into a couple of different books. So it's just a very famous thing and you're a huge part of that. Can you tell us about that, especially for somebody who has no idea what BAT-21 is?
2: Okay. Well, in Vietnam uh, in the spring of – well, April of 1972, the North Vietnamese regular army started to push into South Vietnam. Hmm. And they had 30,000-plus troops that came across the DMZ, the Demilitarized Zone, up north with tanks, with artillery, and then with uh, with troops. And so uh, we had been flying. I was a forward air controller at the time, and what that was was you went to find targets, and then you put in— uh, Air strikes on those enemy targets to destroy them, you know, with uh, fighter airplanes. Yes. So we really hadn't been able to see the ground for almost two weeks because that time of the year was the monsoon season. And so rains wow. and that had come in and just low clouds. So I was up uh, flying, I think it was the second of April, and uh, we... I was up near the demilitarized zone, and uh, I didn't really know who else was there because, you know, I had my mission to do to find targets to destroy. But uh, there was a B-52 flight that was going to be going in up above me uh, into the DMZ where— the North Vietnamese had moved down a bunch of surface-to-air missile sites, called them SAMs, S-A-2s. Okay. And that range now, uh, they had probably about a 30-mile, 30 to 40-mile range on those missiles. Wow. So that coverage had never extended that far into South Vietnam before. Wow. And we really didn't know it. Okay. Uh, So this... uh, along with the b-52s that went in there were support airplanes and they were called eb-66s they were electronic warfare uh airplanes and plus some f-105 what are called wild weasels which had missiles that targeted radars okay so the eb-66s were going to come in and find out where those radar sites were and that being is that they would allow those radar sites to tag their airplanes. And then they would get, by triangulation, be able to get, uh, you know, where the the sites were actually located, be able to pass those coordinates to the wild weasels, and uh, be able to then have the wild weasels attack them to take down the radars, which then effectively shut down the surface-to-air missile sites. Wow, okay. Well, this EB-66, it, by a call sign of BAT-21 Bravo. Okay. Every, every airplane that flew in Vietnam had a call sign. Okay. And uh, with those, that call sign, if it was a single-seat airplane, you know, it was just if anything happened, uh, you know, you would just use, like, BAT-21. But because the EB-66 had six people, uh, then what they did was they put a letter designated. So the pilot was Bat-21 Alpha, okay. Navigator bat One Bravo, and then uh, okay. there was three or four oh. electronic warfare. So they would have been Charlie, Delta, Echo, and Fox. Yeah. Well, uh, I was up flying, and then all of a sudden I just heard on guard, which is an emergency radio uh, frequency that uh, was broadcast, all the radios for the Air Force and the Army were tuned to that automatically so that you could get out emergency uh, situations. And all of a sudden I heard on the guard frequency, you know, Sam, Sam, vicinity of DMZ. And so wow. one of the things that we did was you just rolled the airplane over and dove low to try to get out of coverage, and you basically would try to go into the missile so it would go by you. But I leveled off and then looked up and saw the smoke trail from a, a SAM, an SA-2 missile. And as I watched it go up in the air, all of a sudden, I just saw a huge fireball in the sky and just knew right away what had happened, that one of our airplanes had been hit. So I turned and started heading to, you know, toward that, uh, where I saw it. And as I got closer, I just saw this uh, burning airplane come spiraling out of the sky. Wow. And probably, oh, a minute or two later, I hear a, call, uh, a thing on the radio uh, that just says, Mayday, Mayday, this is Bat 2-1 Bravo. Wow. And, you know, I had also gone up when I saw this, you know, Mayday, Mayday airplane down vicinity of the DMZ because that would start rescue forces. It would start uh, command posts trying to, you know, get people alerted and get people airborne that would be able to try to, you know, do a rescue. Yeah. Well, as I, you know, so I come up on the radio and say, you know, Bat 2 on Bravo, this is my call sign, was Bilk 3-4. And I said, uh, you know, hey, I'm in the vicinity. I see the airplane because by that time had gotten over near the airplane and just watched it. Like I said, there was a lower cloud deck probably about 3,000 feet and just saw the airplane go in and, you know, then just saw the black smoke come up through the clouds, you know, from where the airplane had crashed. And, uh, you know, I said, you know, hey, Bat 2-1, I'm in the area. Uh, you know, do you see me? And so I'm looking down at these clouds, and he goes, yes, I see you. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, boy, his eyesight's pretty good. <laughs> where I, I can't even see the ground, but he can look up. And, and I said, say again, you can see me. And he goes, yeah, I, I've got you. And... Wow! Uh, then I go. Okay, all I see is clouds, and then all of a sudden he goes, "Well, you're below me," and Whoa. I go below me, and all of a sudden I looked up, and here was his parachute coming down. Oh my gosh! So I just started circling the chute uh, okay. to just you know keep him in sight. Yeah, and uh, just watched him disappear into the clouds. Yeah. And we had a couple of uh, instrumentations on the O2. I flew an O2 uh, called a push-pull Cessna. It's a Cessna 337 that the Air Force had leased from Cessna for this forward air control mission. So I took a couple of cuts off of TACAN stations, which were navigation stations. And because the area that I was in... uh, I was west of a town called Quang Tree, which that played a part later on right. a month later. Right. But uh and there were just west there were some karst mountains that went up to about twenty five hundred feet, so they were be- just below these clouds. But as I took these two cuts and plotted it on the map, okay, well we're west or we're we're east of hopefully, where these mountains start. So I just started a slow circular descent where, wow. you know, he went into the into the clouds and broke out probably about 900 feet above the ground. What, is, what does that
1: mean, broke out? Okay. Sorry, I don't, went, I don't know. Went,
2: okay, went through the clouds. Okay. And then at 900 feet above the ground— The clouds disappeared, and you were in the clear. Okay. So that broke out coming through the
1: clouds. Okay, I see.
2: And there right below me in the field was his chute. Wow. Uh, But he had landed right in the middle of this North Vietnamese invasion. Oh, my gosh. And as break out and flying around, uh, there were just tanks and trucks and all of that uh, on these roads. And he had landed right near a little village called Kamlo, which had one of the only bridges that they could use to get all of their vehicles across. So needless to say, it uh, was sort of like the 4th of July that uh, there were tracers and bullets coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So what I did was I kept circling because the river had a very definitive bend in it. Okay. So uh, I just would kept circling and we'd pop into the clouds and I'd take a look at the map and then pop back down oh my and to be able to, to get an accurate mark of where, an accurate position of where he was down so that could be reported. Wow but yes later on uh, that sar lasted i want to say 14 or 15 days and yes it was probably one of the you know most uh publicized
1: search and rescue missions yeah. in vietnam and i believe my dad was good enough to put together some some of the story and uh he said that yeah, there were costly efforts to do so, to extract—and uh, we're talking about Lieutenant Colonel Gene Hambleton, right. correct? And so my dad said that uh, costly efforts to extract him due to the enemy activity that you talked about, and 11 days resulted in five U.S. aircraft destroyed, 11 men killed— and two captured, and then Hamilton was finally rescued by a U.S. Navy SEAL and his Vietnamese comrade on April 13th right. and brought to a safe area of friendly forces. Is that right? Yeah, they,
2: yeah. they lost uh, one helicopter, and that was the most. I think there were six or seven that died on that. Uh, it was the Air Force called them Jolly Greens, HH-53s, and okay. they were— used in the search and rescue effort that was the main helicopter that would go in and rescue folks and then there were a couple of facts uh and in fact one of the forward air controllers that was shot down flying an ov-10 was a man by the name of bruce wilson who was actually a classmate of mine in pilot training and he eventually uh he was one of the ones that was killed. Mm. Uh, yeah. But yes, it uh, it you know it was interesting times. Interesting times. But you know that was one of the things is as a flyer, uh, and this was Air Force, Army, Navy. If you were shot down, you the one thing, the one hope that you really had was that everything was going to be done to try to rescue you. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, that was one of the questions that came up. Well, this was one person, and, well, we try to save our own. We don't let anybody be behind.
1: Yeah. Wow. And if you hadn't been there, and you hadn't, I mean— Seems kind of miraculous that you were not shot down when you were trying to track him and they're shooting at you and these tracers, things that I, I don't exactly know what that means, but that's okay, right? Yeah. I'm sorry for my Air Force and Army and <laughs> Marine people that are listening and are like, why is this idiot interviewing Bill Jankowski? So just help the rest of us out. So. Yeah. Okay, and then – and I'm grateful for my dad putting these notes together. It says – and you just kind of catch us up, and I know we're going to get to the part of the story where you and my dad meet up. But my dad said that after April 2nd, you alternated between flying forward air control operations from uh, Da Nang Nang into the Quang Tri area and serving on the ground as Air Liaison Officer, ALO in the South Vietnamese 3rd Infantry Division's operation center in the citadel of Quang Tri city right and then i think he's talking uh, the fifth ranger group had been airlifted from an area west of saigon and near the cambodian border on april 4th to reinforce the division and my dad's words he we entered the battle on april 6th can you kind of take it from there
2: okay uh well, what happened was because of this overwhelming force that the NVA had, 30,000 troops yeah. plus the tanks and artillery, uh, the the South Vietnamese just didn't have the manpower or the strength to be able to hold positions. Okay. So they all started falling back, and their first point was going to be go to Quang Tri, Mm -hmm. Uh, because that was the command post area in that. And it was called Military Region 1 was the DMZ and then south. And then it went all the way down to the southern coast of Vietnam to Military Region 4, I think is what it was. Yeah. But uh, so those... Guys on the ground where your dad was with that 5th Army Ranger Division, mm-hmm. uh, they just started falling back and going south and mm-hmm. in talking to your dad. They actually were going to go to the town of City of Wei, which was one of the old capitals of South Vietnam. Okay. Uh, and that's where they were going to regroup because that was a headquarters also for some of the South Vietnamese uh, Army Army folks. But uh, so as the 1st of May came around, uh, the North Vietnamese had gotten close enough to Quang Tri where it was decided that we were going to evacuate Quang Tri. Okay. And uh, I had just been up there the week before. uh, So when all of this was, was coming and My roommate uh, there at Da Nang had replaced me. So when this uh, order came down that we were going to get all the Americans out of Quang Tree, you know, I said, hey, I want to go because, Mm -hmm. you know, my roommate's there. So in case anything happens, I want to be up in the air to help out. So we did the planning. And then uh, the 2nd of May is when we said, "Okay, we're going to do that. And they planned it for the afternoon so that, uh, you know, everything could get ready. And what uh, we actually had divided it up, there were three of us forward air controllers. Uh, One guy was stationed on the north side of Quang Tree, one about in the middle just west, and then I was just southwest of Quang Tree because, again, of not really knowing where uh, the extent of where the NVA forces had had. Penetrated down to, yeah. So uh, we were probably there. Got on station, meaning that uh, you were up in the air to be ready for when the helicopters and the rescue forces starting to come in. Okay. So I got on station and just <laughs> because I was a forward air controller, started looking for stuff on the ground. And yeah. All of a sudden, I start seeing, and this was something that. Uh, after a while, as you got used to, your eyeballs, what I say, get caged for what you see on the ground. Yeah. And so I started seeing trails leading into clumps of trees, which told me there were command posts. There was a river just south of Quang Tree, and all of a sudden I saw trenches along this river. And... uh So as I'm flying around, all of a sudden, I I get a call from this American who goes, Hey, Fack, overhead, can you hear me? And it was your dad. Really? Oh, wow. And uh, so I come up on Fox Mike and go, Yeah, you know, hey, uh, I'm in the area. uh, You know, what do you need? (laughs) And so he just started explaining uh, what it was. And you know, then to make sure, you know, I said, well, hey, you know, make sure I'll rock my wings if, you know, if you see an airplane rocking his wings, you know, to make sure you're talking to me and not not another fact. And uh, so it goes, yeah, I've got you rocking your wings. So yeah. I uh, found their their position, and then that's when he relayed the information about that they were going to be, Trying to cross the river to go to Way. Yeah. And so I said, "Well, hey, I'll I'll start looking more." And so Wow. I uh, started pointing out all of these things to them, you know, giving them coordinates. Wow. Uh, and then all of a sudden, we get a call saying, "Hey, the mission up north is going to start." And so I said, "Hey, I've got to leave for a little bit. Mm. Uh, got something." going up north and uh you know but i'll be back afterwards wow and what they had done was uh to be prepared in case anything happened uh at quang tree there were probably five six seven sets of fighter airplanes that were in fully loaded, fully armed with bombs that in case anything happened and they needed some close air support, these airplanes would be right there at a moment's notice. Yeah. So there were a, a stack, and what it was was you had a, uh, an IP point or just a holding point, and then these airplanes would just, at 1,000-foot intervals, just stay there so that they were readily available. Okay. So the operation started at uh, Quang Tree to evacuate, uh, and they got all of the Americans out. And so, as we get the call on the radio saying, Okay, the last helicopter's just lifted, mm. uh, you know, everything's gone well. So I said, Okay. Uh, so I went back to find where your dad was with the 5th Arvin Ranger My gosh. Battalion. And so I you didn't have to do that but you did. Well, you know, that's as a forward air controller, that's what your job was. Was to support the the people on the ground. Yeah. Whether they were Americans or Vietnamese, uh-huh. you know, that was it. Yeah. So I got in contact with them and then just said, "Hey, I've got all these fighters because what I had done prior to the rescue going on, I had called up there was a an airplane called an C, an airborne command and control post is, okay. is what it was. But I had called up them and had said, had told them that I had found lots of targets and that if we didn't use all the air, then I would want to work all these fighters afterwards. So that's what happened was uh, I went back, got in touch with your dad and said, well, hey, I'm going to start putting these airplanes in on all these targets to try to help you out wow. to, uh, you know, get rid of these positions that are south of you because they actually were south of where your dad was and the area where they were going to be going to. Yeah. So I work all of these fighters. It was five or six sets of fighters I put in on different ones and
1: sets of fighters. Okay, they Sorry. were
2: called two ships. Okay. Uh, so. That was the, the basic—there uh, were two ships or four ships, but for this, the fighters would just fly in pairs okay. and just call it a two-ship. Okay. And that's a okay. set, okay. A set it. Of, it. of fighters. Okay, got it, got it. Just learning. Right. Okay. <laughs>
1: That is Bill Jankowski. There's much more to the story, and I've got good news, especially for you KSLR listeners. We're going to hit this next week, part two, and then we're going to have a part three as well. Same for the podcast. You don't want to miss it. There's so much more to this story, and I just don't want you to miss it. So you can email me, steve at verybold.com if you just want to make sure you get to hear this, steve at verybold.com. I'm reminding you. We have a great, great hope. That's what the Apostle Paul wrote about. I want you to think about it, that hope of Jesus, that life, that joy, that faith that he gives to us. Therefore, Paul wrote from 2 Corinthians 3.12, since we have such a hope, we are very bold.
0: Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com.